0: And welcome back to the Masters of Modern MMCast podcast. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben. No longer the boss, just the modern boss, Bateman.
1: Still the boss, man. You don't have to dilute my name that hard. But yes, happy to be here. Obviously, back from Philly now for a couple of weeks and uh, talking. And going, you know, talking and going back.
0: Yeah. As, true. As, like The day this episode releases, I believe we are both flying back
1: to Philly. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's so funny and so strange that like the concept of travel, like cross country travel when I was growing up. And I imagine this is probably the case for you too. On some level is like, it seemed like a whole thing, like an endeavor to go across the country. It was like, I just pack and think about the weather because we do it so often. Now I legit don't even think about the weather. I don't pack like it's different than any other trip. I like I, different-
0: that I have a suitcase. I have a, a peacoat that, like, with a hoodie can basically survive most above 10 degree, above zero degree weather, really. Like, I might have to buy gloves wherever I'm at. And then it's the same, like, six polos, two button downs. Yeah. Under a saw, it, in, like, three pairs of jeans. Yeah. In fact, when I went to Philly, I messed up. I actually didn't pack which we, we should get into the episode uh, really quick, <laughs> or at least tell people what the episode is about. So today we are going to be your top 15 counting down the top 15 cards in uh uh, and did you want a uh, Phyrexia all will be one, you know, we're, we're trying something new. We haven't had it done in set of review actually for the last two sets, but realize that for, for one, we've now been a few weeks into it. It's out in modern, it's out in pioneer. We can kind of talk about its effect on those formats. It's specifically for pioneer. It's specifically for modern, uh, with a little bit, maybe a pioneer coming up a little bit in here or there, uh, and, and not commander, none of that stuff. So specifically modern top 15 counting down me and Ben have picked out the 15 cards and I'm going to count down, uh, to my own opinion, <laughs> and then Ben can judge me based on how how I'm ranking Wait, them. Along with all of you. you, you get to
1: make the list, and I just have to
0: respond. Um, Guys, Alex you has weird you, podcast. He's, you've, he's you've, taken over. He's driving the bus. I'm not helped happy as a passenger. You helped pick out the cards and um and you're along you're along for this exciting ride along with our audience. Uh so you won't be surprised about what cards are here, but you might be surprised uh, about the order I decide to arbitrarily place them. Uh, before we get started, I do want to shout out our uh, sponsors, uh Alter Sleeves. Uh, go to uh, altersleeves.com and use the MMCAST code. Uh, you will get a discount and they will love us a little bit more every time. Uh, And both me and Ben uh, are actually abandoned orphans that need more love, uh, like Disney main characters. So please check out them. That also works for TCG player. If you go to TCG, if you click on the link below, there's a TCG player affiliate link. And that, also has them start sending us just boxes of puppies uh, that we, we get to just hang out with every time someone does it. So if you can do that for us as well, that's great. And then as always our wonderful patrons, the adopted parents we've always wanted uh, that we earn at the end of this movie. Uh, And if you can join them, uh, you know, the movie ending won't be sad we uh you know it'll be not a Pixar movie it'll be it'll be a DreamWorks movie you can make this a dream there'll be a dance number a, uh, all-star will be there or uh smash mouth will be there
1: oh <laughs> it's on track okay I get you I prefer personally I prefer uh Pixar endings they're melancholy they're more my speed but if we want to be you know nice and, and I, nice I and like
0: s- I like the upbeat endings of like a kung fu panda or a, or a or a how to train your dragon you know where like there was sadness, but not sadness that destroyed your soul.
1: <laughs> I have uh, to, to date still never seen a How to Train Your Dragon movie, which I think is one of the big major misses of my life. Because I think this one the first like- one
0: is wonderful. It's great. The second and right right third one is fine. But the first one is wonderful.
1: Right here, yeah.
0: Also, the Kung Fu, ma- both of those trilogies are both very good. And I think actually the Kung Fu Panda one is like underrated as a top tier animated film tr- trilogy. Like, And then How to Train Your Dragon, at least the first one, is underrated as a top tier animated movie, period. Got my guy, Jerry B. People love those movies. But we
1: are not here to talk about Pixar and DreamWorks. We are here to talk about magic.
0: So let's get into it. All right. So for those who don't know, Magic the Gathering, all will be one. Phyrexia is here. Uh, the the design of the set was actually, uh, Wizards wanted to kind of like, historically Phryxian has been this war invading force. What does Phryxia look like when it's attacking? And they want to be like, what does just Phryxia look like when it's vibing? What does vibing Phryxia look like? And so uh, that's the set we got. Um, So uh, each of the different factions has their own vibes and styles. Uh, A lot of really powerful cards. Also historically cards sets that are set on Mirrodin are historically overpowered. I do think this has been, and time will tell, but I think this set is on the less powerful end of that scale. Um... Now, a lot more sets have come out, but, you know, I'm not seeing any Mox Opals so far. I'm not seeing, uh, actually, not a single Mox. This is, I think, the first time we've been to Mirrodin where there wasn't a Mox, because Mox, uh, uh, the imprint Mox was from the first one, right? Oh, yeah.
1: Chrome Mox is from uh, from Mirrodin, and then you have Mox Opals. Chrome Mox, Chrome Mox.
0: stars of Mirrodin, and then, yeah, we didn't get one this time. So, so, interesting, you know, part of that is because they've learned that, like, colorlessness is a problem when... You make color artifacts, they end up being a lot easier to balance or specifically scale, but they get to keep their artifactness. So um, but there's a lot of powerful stuff, and we're gonna be counting them down. Uh and just um and and I think we're gonna start first with uh the least powerful number 15. Barely made the list. In fact, we almost deleted it, and that is the eternal wanderer, four white, white legendary planeswalker, no type, because that's the wanderer's vibe. No more than one creature can attack the eternal wanderer each combat, plus one exile up to one target artifact or creature return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the player's next end step zero create a two two white samurai creature token with double strike and minus four for each player choose a creature that player controls each player sacrifices all creatures they control uh, not chosen this way um so obviously this is you know being talked like one of the things that has ruined the limited format is of what i've heard um it is a extremely powerful planeswalker it protects itself very very well it acts as a six mana board wipe cool control finisher but definitely feels like it's missing the mark for modern but yeah
1: it you know we have seen now the development of planeswalkers since the inception of these things in 2007-2008 which is now that basically like once you get to six mana, you can make a Planeswalker busted. Like you don't you don't have to worry about the thing being balanced. You Don't really worry about it being like fair. Like you can make it anything from like an eight to a ten in terms of the all time scale pretty easily without blinking. And that's what this card is, right? It's a very, very, very powerful card. If you set it up in a way that you're controlling and you have like a blocker that you can block with to protect it, You basically can no longer win the game like, and this is from a limited perspective, you're correct. It's a horrific card to play against. But like, because of the exile ability, returning the creature at end step, not upkeep, even if the creature had haste, that thing you exile can no longer attack. So like, it doesn't matter what you are able to get down. It doesn't matter how you can interact. Basically, this card's a sweeper. 2 2 double strike is like a really good thing to be left with if you can sweep the board. Like, you can, if you can protect this thing, you can start making those every turn. They're very good. They block very well. They end the game very quickly. This isn't good enough for modern, definitely. There are better cards in modern that would fill this slot. But just in terms of like, when we talk about six mana planeswalkers going forward, this feels like it's kind of in line with what we see nowadays.
0: Yeah, I think I think if Elsbeth six mana Elsbeth didn't exist, this card could maybe be talked about because it, it does a lot of things that that card does, but like slightly worse. It protects itself better, and the board wipe in some way can be stronger because uh, uh, it kills everything. But the creature you choose, your fr- your opponent has a token. That's all they have, uh, and you have a creature that probably can block it. So I do think in some ways it's a better it like competes for that spot and decks have definitely had that as a sideboard card finisher often. Um And, and that's really, to me, the, the, the spot that I could see the seeing play in modern is, is if, if you were thinking of playing the other Elsbeth, which is rare, but does happen uh in a sideboard slot, eternal wonder may come in. All right. Next card counting down. Uh, this is a classic. This is a reprint. This is one of the biggest story moments in the entire set. Uh, we're showing Jace being infected at the moment that Vraska was fully completed. And that is Frixian Arena. One black, black enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you draw a card and you lose one life. How how the mighty have fallen. I mean, it's I still know. in the top fifteen, possibly. But this used to—if this was printed six years ago—we'd be talking about this as a slam dunk modern card. And I now I think it's not even—it's almost not playable.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you can compare this. There are there are riffs on this card that have come out over the years. Underworld Connections comes to mind, just like maybe ten years ago. Dark
0: confidant.
1: Dark, yeah, but but specifically the ones that you lose a life and you draw a card. There have been a, f- sure. a few different iterations of that effect that are like specifically designed to be worse than this card. Um, yeah. This was originally printed for those that don't remember, I believe in Apocalypse. I think this came out in like 2000, probably 2001. Right around that time, um, you know, 23 years ago, it was a card that we would all play in like, you know, commander decks. You'd play this in like singleton decks like this was a card that was obviously incredibly good back in its standard day. And Magic design in an odd sort of way took a very long time to catch up. That's part of it. That's probably the thing about this printing that I find the most. I guess strange, like the fact that this is not rare, not mythic rare is a pretty good signifier of how special they want this to feel when you open it. It's yeah. OK if this feels just like a good card. Um, and I think the old concept of cast three drop that does nothing that's hard to interact with win game because you draw five more cards on your opponent over the next five turns isn't good enough anymore for competitive high power formats like this is not going to see play in modern it, it, it might see play like as a two of think in very particular control decks but like
0: i don't, it's not I don't think power. no play because i do think there's opportunity both like in an enchantress child deck that's trying to be abzan or a mono black devotion style deck that like wants something that's just going to stick in the field and draw cards for them but i do think it's just like it's not quite there in a way that the format needs for it to be in any way considered a regularly played card. All right, next card on the list: a rift on a classic experience, uh, but better strict upgrade. Um, has seen the ver, old version has seen modern play before, and this could see modern play in the future. Gleeful demolition, red for a sorcery, destroy target artifact. If you control three, if you control that artifact, create three one one red. Frixian Goblin creature tokens. This is a play on the original card Kadotha Rebirth, which was one of the like first artifact sacrifice token cards that really that, in standard it saw play, and then it saw play all the way to modern, uh, where basically instead of destroy target artifact, it was sacrifice an artifact and create three one one red Goblin tokens. So this is a strict upgrade in the sense that it can be used as a removal spell. You can target another artifact um it also can target an indestructible artifact uh, which allows you to like target uh, a darksteel citadel and keep the darksteel citadel while also making 3/1 one ones um but it, it you know it it very easily can for one mana make three make a 3/1 one tokens in play on turn 1 without working too hard which is which is pretty significant the one reason this is not a strict upgrade
1: is that you can obviously target your opponent's target in response and fizzle the spell. That's where that's the cold Delta rebirth part of this that is worse. Not it's not worse. It's just that it's not a strict upgrade because the sacrificing an artifact I believe is part of the cost of rebirth, which is how you could do it and you know go ham and like the uh, the fact. Yeah, that
0: you but can the, I would a strict I, strict upgrade that is niche versus like I can now target your salvaging station and kill it (laughs) if you ask me which is better it's a 90 10 like this card is much better than
1: earth but it would just just in in terms of because that phrase of strictly better i think sometimes like a newer listener might be like exactly what does that mean and there are some instances where that actually is a
0: hundred percent the case it's a two a one red two one versus a one red two one with first strike the first strike one is strictly better
1: the design team who's making this card is looking at it and thinking is this strictly better no it, it has this one different play pattern okay well then i guess it's it's not the same card we can comfortably make this and it doesn't feel like we're just repeating ourselves with a different name like that's the only thing but i agree with you this card is definitely better i mean like
0: the- i think when they made this they were like we're making a better could One one thing that's more important though is that you can play both right i think that that like a deck that is trying to do either of them this one is maybe less true like if you're playing a, a a deck that can splash red in a hammer time style deck or even I've seen some uh what's the enchantment that gives plus two plus two to all artifacts
1: oh uh steel Sabbath, uh no it's the one from it's it's the one from the original Meriden block yeah uh, one
0: white white plus two plus two to all, all artifact creatures it was the on the screen right now. Look at I said the words on the screen, uh, but I've seen I've seen lists going around now with other cards that are on this list and new cards from this one kind of moving towards that versus hammer is like kind of more of a classic affinity. And if you're playing red, I could see you just playing one of these anyways, just for the value or playing this as a card just for the value. But I also could see someone building a deck directly with the idea of I'm going to be gleeful demolitioning or could go through rebirthing. And that is my game plan, uh, my game a plan. Um, so I, I do think, you know, we've always talked like when a card effect that has been powerful in the past, but always just like, didn't have the redundancy needed to make it all the way across the finish line. Once you add that redundancy, revisiting it is a normally a good idea.
1: Yes. I mean, if you're ever looking for ways to break any format, as you mentioned, redundancy is a huge part of it. And so I
0: would agree. That's a, it's a big thing here. Oh, all right. Going down the list, we have another riff on an old card. This one a little bit more. Uh, strictly different <laughs> uh this is staff of completion three mana for an artifact you may tap it to pay one life to destroy target permanent you own you may tap it and pay two life to add one mana of any color you may tap it and pay three life to proliferate you may tap it and pay four life to draw a card and you may pay five to unstap it uh, to unstaff it to untap staff of completion um this is a, a, a Staff of Domination is the the card that's a riff on a, a common win condition in, in commander one of the like best infinite win, mana win cons that you can kind of create or a win and uh, just a if you have a creature that can produce more than five mana, you go infinite with it on its own. Uh, this is not that card, but it does do a lot of different things. It's a it's a, a underrated mana rock. I think yep. that's the thing that, like a lot of people are kind of missing. It's like for three mana pay two life to add one mana of any color. That also can draw you a card that also acts as a sack outlet that also can proliferate and has the ability to also, once you get to five mana, draw you two cards a turn, et cetera, et cetera. So I think I think it's going under the radar there. Um, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. So I think uh, you when you were uh, naming the the cost to activate it, I think you, you mix the first the first couple up a little, but it, it doesn't even really matter because they're all. Hey, life is the difference. That's, that's, that's the oh, big, difference. I said mana versus
0: life. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, or even the numbers, but, but point being all the abilities Alex mentioned are the abilities in the order he mentioned. It's just the totals were a little different, but my, my point in saying that is that paying life is distinctly different than paying mana. That that's where the design of this card is so different than staff of domination is that any infinite mana with staff of domination just wins the game. Like you can do all of the abilities in a million times. And so like you just win. This card, having played this, I haven't actually played this in Constructed yet. I've played this in Limited a couple times. What ends up happening is you draft this card, as you mentioned, specifically for the mana rock ability. You draft it on, you go, okay, worst case scenario if nothing else I'm doing, this is going to fix my mana. And then if I have enough life, I'll be able to draw a card for four life. Like that's kind of the idea. But like the, the life pay thing is pretty high here. It's It's like not easy to do. Like it's a lot of life. So using this in most situations more than a couple times is going to kill you. If you try to draw cards twice, you've paid almost half your starting life total. So like this card is really cool. I do think destroy target permanent you own is unique ability. That's not not a super common thing that exists. There are sacrifices, but that wording is very unique. So that's worth pointing out. And then I think having something that can proliferate every turn for no mana is also really good depending on what you're doing like paying three to get another counter on a planeswalker or something where the counters really matter that's a place where paying life actually does really matter i think paying oddly enough looking at this card the, the ability that is usually most relevant which is draw a card is almost unplayable i think pay for life draw a card like you have to be in a deck ah. that can you have to be able to mitigate that pretty hard to do more than do that once
0: like well i think think that's i think that's the the backup plan right like it's it's the same as like drawing the cards off of sylvan library sometimes you just do it sometimes like you just win the like if you're like oh man if i could just have one more card i could like win here like i think that or like i'm planning on winning the game i need to just make in a storm deck or something that has like needs a lot of mana or, or, or just like you, you have what you need, but you might need more cards. I think you use that ability. Uh, I, I think there's a stabilization effort. Or if you're like, oh, I'm dead unless I draw the right thing. But I could have drawn the right thing. Then you activate this. You're like, oh, I do the right thing. I cannot die. Like, I think that's a versatility feature more than. Calling it.
1: Yeah, C- calling it unplayable is probably actually like the unfair assessment that that word is should not be used there. It's more like normally when you look at a card and it has multiple abilities, and draw a card is one of them. It's the one of the primary abilities. It's almost like this is why this card's in my deck because I can. And when I when I look at this card, the fact that draw a card is that the four life one just makes it feel like you're probably not utilizing this card for that reason specifically.
0: Uh the the other place that I'm like uh, not considering is like in a like like life gain dedicated decks. Like specifically, like looking at Soul Sisters, that is a deck that. Has no problem paying life, but has a massive problem drawing cards. True. Right, like it it gets outvalued very easily. But it has all the life it could ever want, and it's a deck that definitely can take advantage of the proliferate target, and could use the mana ramp. So it's it's not something that can. And to be honest, like doesn't hate a sack outlet necessarily. Um, like I think this card is actually very good in that deck. Right, where like every feature on it is probably useful um up to the late game of just like using it as a way to draw a bunch of cards with all the life you've gained if you're not able to capitalize on it um other places like this isn't happening anymore but there are you know if if your deck has an infinite life combo in it and you just like need ways oh, to sure. take advantage of it right like there are there, i think i think that's where the card draw effect comes into right where like i have a deck that can gain an obnoxious amount of life but then can't draw the cards to get me there because i'm not in. I'm in red, white, and I just don't have good card draw. This gives you that.
1: I think you and I can probably both agree, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, this card is currently less than 6 bucks. I think long-term this is going to go up because it's usable in a lot of different places, and it's a very inexpensive mythic that has colorless utility that goes in every commander deck ever if you want to play it, and even probably has some constructed playability if it gets in the right deck. This, to me, feels like three years from now is a $30 card, like I think pretty comfortably.
0: I I already see CDH players talking about like how people are underrating this card because it's a three mana rock that then becomes a three mana card draw engine. Yeah. And they're comparing it to Sylvan library, a card that like is extremely powerful in the format. So yeah, I I agree. Actually, actually Uh, even
1: more importantly foils are $7. That's notable.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And I would buy foils, not, not regulars. Yeah. Not, not foils. Uh, Next card, three green, white, blue, black, Four colors attracts a grand unifier. Frixine Angel 7-7. Flying, Vigilance, Death Touch, and Life Link. When Attracksa Grand Unifier enters the battlefield, reveal the top ten cards of your library. For each card type, you may put a card of that type from among the revealed cards into your hand, put the rest of the bottom of your library in random order. This is seeing a ton of play in standard. This is seeing some play in modern and in, in pioneer. In modern, it's in a weird spot because right now, it being a legendary creature. Is actually a pretty big negative in regards to its skill ability suite because the best re uh, the best reanimator spells in the format are specifically for non legendary creatures. But the thing that everyone missed when this was previewed and then figured out later on is it's an ETB, not a cast trigger, which often these days it's more of a cast trigger. And so this card in a Goryeo Vengeance style deck draws you a lot of cards and then is encouraging you to play them with Ephemerate and cards like Ephemerate to then, you know, for on turn three, Goryeo's Vengeance, this into play, cast Ephemerate, blinking it, draw three cards. This now gets to stay in play because Ephemerate took off the Goryeo's Vengeance sack effect that was applied to it. You now have a 7-7. Seven, seven. On your next turn, you can then blink it again and start just gaining... A lot of value um i do think it's like just hitting the mark just because gory's vengeance is just not strong enough at the moment um but if they're and it's not red so like the one color you need to discard it it doesn't have but i think like it's power level in other formats is not to be on un on un, 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 not unassumed but is is not to be ignored for for modern
1: i would agree with you yeah i think it's i, mean, I think it's super powerful
0: and i think what you just mentioned is Completely relevant to the card, um, I think it's. I think it's also like maybe the best alternative to Elishnorn in a gift deck. Oh, interesting. Just, just because like a lot of times you want Elishnorn, right? Because Elishnorn is the board bite. But sometimes your opponent is not like is more of a like I need more cards in my hand than you have, and less of a I need to kill your creatures or have like a beat down strategy. And sh- this beats down a lot better. It stabilizes a lot better than Alishnorn does uh, against anything that's not, you know, an X2. Uh, big, and it how, draws you cards to replace the threat. How big is it? A 7-7? Seven, seven? It's a 7-7 seven, seven Flying Vigilance Death Touch Lifelink.
1: That's so big. I mean, I guess it's very good. Like, really, if we're talking about modern, do you think you're playing more than one of these in a deck?
0: No, no you play one, right? Oh, well, if you're playing a Gouros Vengeance-style deck, that's a deck that you're playing, like for sure. these and four grizzle brand. Right. And then your goal is to like, yeah, yeah, yeah trying yeah, yeah. to you know, like, like to mill it or whatever. Like you want to guarantee you're going to get one of those into your graveyard off of a like edging crab or something. I like whatever the best mill strategy is or because because mono red discard has gotten so much worse without faithless looting. Yeah. Um, in gifts, it's you play as a one of right. You have, you have one Alishnorn, one this and probably one like hard to get rid of threat like inkwell leviathan used to be uh and then you just end of your opponent's turn gifts and given get this get a rights untap cast on rights get this draw three cards or four cards and now your opponent's just buried in value right in your blue right. white your esper control list so that's that's i think what that shell is looking to try and do with it
1: yeah i mean i i i, I didn't think this card was gonna be that good when it was first printed Obviously, I think I want to say just before we went to Philly for the show, like five days earlier or three days earlier, it, it like blew up in price. People got like super hyped about this card, so I opened it in my first pack and I was like, "Oh, this is like a f- couple bucks, right?" And somebody's like, "No, that card's like insane. Like that card's worth a lot of money." Because like,
0: <laughs> well, you got you also got like the altar version, right? So it was like sixty to seventy bucks what <laughs> so yeah, like yeah, you yeah, opened yeah. versus yeah, like yeah. well, and and because it also is going to get better with battle when battles come out. But like remember. You could build this deck in a way that you can draw pretty much guarantee three cards every time it enters battlefield and then up to like five without too much like luck. If you're playing like a few good planeswalkers, a few good sorcery and instant removal spells, a few creatures, obviously you're playing lands like that's not that hard to just like, oh, in my top 10 cards. Most like I have four or the five card types, and so like four mana, get a seven, seven flying lifelink vigilance, draw five cards is like an insane play to play at the end of your opponent's turn.
1: Yeah, it's, it's um, very
0: <laughs> all right. Next card, we are at Mr. Jace the Perfected Mind, two blue, Phyrexian blue, legendary planeswalker. Jace completed, you may pay it to uh, pay two life or blue, and if life is paid, it ends with two less counters, so it comes in as a three loyalty versus five on three mana versus four. Until end of turn, up to one target creature gets minus three, minus zero. Minus two, target player mills three cards, then if a graveyard has 20 or more cards in it, you draw three cards, otherwise you draw a card. So, minus two, draw a card, or draw three cards, or draw three cards. Uh, Or, minus X, target player mills three times X cards. So, at a base level...
1: I was gonna say we yeah. talked about this, a ton like 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 three weeks ago when it was first previewed. Yes. This was like a card that you and I expounded on for a good like 20 minutes because I think we both felt like for three mana the value of what this card was doing was super high. Now I will say since then I've not really heard the buzz on this card still. I'm like surprised now that people have opened it and are playing with it but I believe what I said before. I think we were right. I think like as time passes, people will realize that the effect this card's offering is significantly so, better than what other things do. Oh, go ahead.
0: No, no. no. So, so, so you know, uh, it has, uh, and these are, you know, in, in like daily five five zero experiences, oh, sure. but it has seen play in Merktide Regent decks, uh, and it has seen play at, and and it is now it is now a a three of in the blue black modern mill decks. Um, yes which makes sense. Which, which makes that's a ton of sense right on turn three you're pretty guaranteed to just like be able to draw three cards off of it off of that deck it stabilizes you it stabilizes you doubly well because you'll have like crabs and stuff and play to block for you and then it can also just come down on turn four and mill your opponent 15 which is often good enough <laughs> when you're yeah. spent the first three turns milling them upwards of 30 cards so not not surprising for sure
1: I think I think, again, like just in case you didn't listen to that last episode, if you think about the rate you are getting on a sorcery speed card that mills, the most sort of shining example was glimpse the unthinkable. That was like for years, the best version, right? Blue, black, sorcery, mill 10, target player, mills 10. They they then updated that with a bunch of other versions that were trying, you know, uh, hideous laughter and like. Mind Funeral was a card that got played, and there was all these and, and the crabs too, of course. But like in terms of the spells themselves, like getting that rate of ten for two was always something. So this is literally if you were casting Glimpse for three, it's fifteen for three
0: at sorcery speed. It costs you two life to do it. No, 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 no. It's 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 nine for three.
1: No, it's it comes down on five. It's target. It no comes built- down
0: on for three mana. It comes down at three.
1: Oh, 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 you lose. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I, I mix that up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, very it's
0: 15. It's 15 for four, which is, and, and you have a, and you have many other choices than doing that. It's three mana. You get, you get, you know, you can mill them for nine or you can minus two to draw a card and mill them for three. You know, there's, there's a bunch of different versatile swingy things on it. That's one of the reasons I really like it though. Is it like in a mill deck? It's the Swiss army knife that does four different things that you want. Draws you cards, mills your opponent while drawing you a single card. Protects you from a threat of theirs, turns off a Raghavan. Like on turn three, this turns off Raghavan, right? Like if you if you need to get rid of those types of threats, this is able to do that. So that that's the things I really like about it. Yeah. And, and is just like four mana mill 15, right? Like late game, it's a great top deck in that deck because often it will just win you the game.
1: I will say that from the, from the perspective of what we just talked about a second ago with Staff of Completion, Good as I think this card is, I don't see the price changing that much over the next few years. I think it'll be like a really good thing of what it's doing. I don't think unless it becomes like the linchpin of a deck, I feel like it'll grow very slowly
0: because it's just it's it's pretty narrow in terms of what it's good doing. I mean, it's 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 gone a few weeks post release. and sticking at nine dollars. I think yeah. it has room to go up. To be honest, okay. uh, especially the special versions, right? Like the Phyrexian Oil Slicked one is already forty-five. Because I think this is also very good in Commander and like has even like CDH potential. Just because like if you have this and a few other cards, you can like fuel a um, Underworld Breach really well with it.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> right, like if you have this and you have Lion's Eye Diamond and you have Underworld Breach, those three cards together like Jace gets you enough cards into your graveyard that you're able to then get used Lion's Diamond to get the mana to pay for Jace, and then Jace will get you the nine cards you need in your graveyard. You, like, you can keep kind of cycling that. You do lose life to do that, but you'll eventually draw to the cards you need for your combo. Like, that has potential. The card draw feature of it's pretty good. Even the plus one is, like, good against, like, CDH has gotten a lot more aggressive these days. Um, yeah. And, like, being able to turn off random Tinma creatures and, like, Stuff like that is not irrelevant. Um but even then, like in Commander, like it, it mills a lot. Mill is really popular. This is gonna be one of the best mill planeswalkers ever printed forever. And and I don't think that's going away. Plus, it has like the iconicness of Jace's death. Jace.
1: Well, oh yeah, you you're saying his death. I was just gonna say the fact that it's just a good Jace. We haven't had it's that a- many. We've had like a few actually good Jaces. There's like this is like the fifth one or fourth one now that's actually legitimately good.
0: Yeah, I would, uh, I would rank this in the top five Jaces. I think I would go my sculptor of wrench prodigy architect original this. I might put this ahead of, I might put
1: this third. I think this is doing something much more unique than the other two. I think you can play other cards to, to mimic a factor fiction or like a, just like a pretty good draw spell, Whereas I think one, the first two you mentioned, Mind Sculptor and Vryn's Prodigy, are like uniquely powerful. There's nothing like them. I think this feels like that to me. So I'd I'd say this is this is this might be third or fourth for me.
0: I mean, that's really strong praise. So sure, yeah. I I, I would argue this is better than Vryn's Prodigy in modern right now. <laughs> I mean, Vryn's Prodigy is again like there is this
1: there is this weird thing that has happened over the years where it's like it used to be. We would say when something comes down, it has to do something when it enters the battlefield. But if it doesn't do something, if it costs two, it's fine. Because like that's early enough in the game that you can sort of play it and then you can do something the next turn. I kind of feel like that's not as much the case as it used to be. I kind of feel like nowadays if it comes down and it doesn't do anything on two and it's not like extraordinarily high powered, it's actually not good anymore. And that sort of feels like what's happened with Jace. It's like there are so many ways to make that card not good. It's a zero yeah. two. if you remove the graveyard, it, like it's just a looter in a lot of cases, and it's a slow looter at that, which is why I think that card is faded. I do still think the upside of that card is higher than the others other than the, the mind sculptor. So I'd still I think you're correct. Mind sculptor and that are still the top two. But I do think this is more unique as number three.
0: Yeah. All right. Next card, Tyvar. This is uh the new. This is the Thor of Magic: the Gathering. The new Himbo Tyvar Jubilant Brawler, one black, green, legendary planeswalker. Tyvar, three loyalty. You may activate the abilities of creatures you control as though they had haste, and tap up to one target creature. Mill three cards. Then you may return a creature card with mana value two or less from the graveyard to the. Battlefield. This is seeing playing Crab Vine. This is seeing playing Yasmo Food. This is seen playing Yagamoth decks in Enchantress decks in Elves and in Devoted Combo. It's already starting to see play in Modern. It makes a uh you know, I'm just gonna steal your thunder and no, bring up the fact don't. bring up the fact that uh this boy gets you a period in play oh. <laughs> for three mana. <laughs> Baby, you thought Tarmogoyf was no longer good. Get ready. <laughs> Tyvar. This card is uh it's it's very good.
1: It is it has three things going on for it that are all very good. So first of all, it costs three, which good good rate for a planeswalker, right? We know that four mana planeswalkers sort of have to win the game. Three mana planeswalkers can be value engines. And this being a rare planeswalker that that does not have a it does not have a final form, it's just a value card. But all three of the things printed on this card are very good. Like in green, a plus one to untap a creature is a is effectively a plus one generated mana. That's like what the, that's what it's saying, and it's more than that. But at, at its base level, the one mana card that got this out on turn two untaps your one drop and casts something else, which is very good. Second part of it is the the haste ability, which is like, okay, so now my mana creatures become storm creatures. Now my mana creatures can come down and then generate mana the same turn I play them as the game goes on. That's good. Uh, not to mention like just attacking. And then finally, the minus two ability. I mean, we all love Mirror Superior, but like that's just good in all value-based green-black creature decks. Having a minus two that doesn't kill the Planeswalker that gets a creature into play, that has haste. Like, you didn't even mention that. That's the thing. I, th- I didn't even think about this when we first saw the card. If this was to be played, even in just your classic superior burning cocoa type of deck, which is like abusing a silly Mirror Superior, right? Like, if that's what I was doing, if I was like, Alex, I'm going to use Tyvar to make Mirror Superior good. The minus two puts it into play with haste.
0: That's no, so. No, no, no. Incredible. Oh, 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 the minus two puts it into play with haste. Yeah, yeah, yeah no it doesn't uh, no it doesn't uh, yeah. it, it taps for haste sorry you're miss. It, it it it's better so so like where i would be excited like elves I, it, it if there's a reason that absent elves is now playing this and doing well with it to an extent because this gives the ability for you to play like you play this and then you play an arch druid and the arch druid has haste yes and then you can then tap arch druid and then untap arch druid with tyvar to then tap it again so you've now made you know Eight mana for, you know, for, or, or ostensibly five mana or sorry, turn one. Well, I guess on turn three, turn one, land or elf, turn two Tyvar minus two, put another elf into play. Turn three, have three elves because you play Archdruid. Archdruid has haste. You tap it maybe four because the elf that you reanimated with Tyvar also had haste. So you maybe had one more elf you put in place of so three elves plus Archdruid. Tap her for four. Untap, tap it for another four. You know, eight mana on turn three.
1: I got excited. Yeah, you're you're correct. It was, I was thinking the 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 haste ability. So it does not make Superior as good as I thought. But you're right. Like the 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 version of the Elves deck that is that much faster. And that's what I was saying with the one drops. That just even the thing that casts this thing, like all of the things that come into play while it's in play, get so much better. That's why I think the card is good. So this is actually another one of the cards from this set that I think over time probably goes up.
0: I've seen I've seen a lot. I mean, it's a rare, which makes it hard, but I would buy like the the manga art version of it, which will become like the step and repeat foil manga. One will like go up over time for sure. But like it, the fact that it's seeing play in so many different modern archetypes and it's a three mana planeswalker, which we've always talked is really important. Multiple of the decks that it's seeing plan, like outside of just like abs and elves, which is like really cool that it's making that relevant again. The fact that it's seeing play in Yawgmoth decks, right? Like that's like not a un a thing to underrate. Like that is a top tier deck in the format. And yeah. it makes sense that this card is seeing play in it, because it rebuys things. It gives some of your creatures like birds of paradise in a noble Hierarch case, which is extremely powerful, as we mentioned, not to mention just giving your other things like abilities that normally they wouldn't be able to activate as quickly. You know, the fact that in crab vine, a deck that I personally love it, it acts as both a self mill target while also turning on your, you know, just the cards you need to be able to get stuff into play like is is not surprising. So I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty impressed in how many of these decks it's seeing play in uh, yeah. and its interaction with mana dorks, uh, which makes sense, right? He's he's an elf He's like an elf prince, right? He's an elf lord, ostensibly, and his abilities feel very elf lordy, even though he is not himself an elf card on play. Um So I think I think this is the best piece of gas elves has gotten in years, more so than the elf card that they got in Dominaria that like was Hex Catcher's like counterpart. This is the thing that I think could make elves actually have legs.
1: Well, because it's not just a thing. We, we, we've talked in the past about one drops and two drops, but this as a three drop, like I said, it has three abilities that are relevant. They're all good. They, they, if
0: any, any deck that wants to use this will
1: utilize all three abilities. And that's yeah. what the L yeah. is doing.
0: And, like, uh, it basically, in Elves, the best deck to probably try and get a 3-drop on turn 2 in a way that's protected. It protects itself because it puts a creature that it mills into play. The creature that it puts into play, if it is a mana dork, it generates mana. So, not, it, it also is really a 2-mana Planeswalker at that point. Because you can then play another card from your hand. And in Elves, a lot of your cards are 1-drops that can take advantage of it. And then... It has the ability to do nutty things by untapping El- you know, like It's 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 perfect for that deck. It's really cool. Uh, the next card we are going to be talking about is Skrelv's Hive. One and a white enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life and create a 1-1 colorless Phyrexian might artifact creature token with toxic one and this creature can't block. As long as your opponent has three or more poison conscious, creatures you control with toxic have lifelink. This has already started seeing play uh, just in general in Hammer Time decks as as a, a, a standard part of those decks, as well as in fact going into white uh, to, to add the is there as well. um This, if you want to pick a card that is most similar to, is bitter blossom. Yeah,
1: I think the place that I that, that I look at this
0: card that feels different because from from its core rate, right?
1: It's an enchantment. It's an enchantment or an artifact. Enchantment, right? It is an enchantment. So it's the same as bitter blossom in that sense. You lose a life in the same way, right? They they get a one one flying fairy. You get a one one can't block toxic might. So they have evasion. You've got toxic, but. I do think the thing that is most significant is that artifacts coming into play, triggering something or a number of artifacts you control in play is something that is harder to accomplish than creatures. There are less artifacts in the game than creatures. So I do think from that perspective, this card is very interesting. Like I've built many decks in many formats that are looking to count my number of artifacts, whether it's for like an affinity or it's a Mox Opal or it's a you know, shrapnel blast or something like that. Galvanic blast, whatever it is, this card giving you an artifact, I think is totally interesting. I don't know if I would say it's like better than or worse than bitter blossom. It feels like for exactly that reason, it's about as good and bitter blossom sadly does not see really much play in modern right now. So it feels like this is cool in, as you mentioned hammer time, which is a white deck that is heavily artifact driven, but even so, I will say, like having played this card so far only in limited, you know, coming down on turn two, getting a creature the next turn, no haste, it, it is a little slow. It, like in the same way that Bitter Blossom always was.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think I would say this is better than Bitter Blossom, but I agree with you that it it still is probably not going to be format defining and maybe the way some of the next cards are going to be. Yes. All right, next card, Synth Gardens, Land, Sphere. Tap it to add one colorless, or you can pay one and tap it to add one mana of any color. Or you may pay X and tap it to have it become a copy of target non-token artifact you control with mana value X. This card has already started seeing play in lantern control decks, which have won things for the first time in the wild. Hardened Scales decks hammer time decks and amulet titan decks and amulet titan obviously you can use it to copy amulet itself which is a pretty nutty thing to be able to find with Primeval Titan because you stop maximizing those triggers um and then scaling down all these other decks are basically artifact decks that it has a little bit more utility one thing that's interesting is a lot of decks that are specifically like one mana artifacts for the things you're copying you're not trying to go bigger than that but i think that makes sense to me yeah i
1: mean look at, at, at its core this card is doing something that takes a heavy advantage of cheap artifacts. And so you just look at the places where cheap artifacts have been the most valuable and you mentioned hammer time comes to mind, right? Like this can become yep. a copy of a Colossus hammer. If you've got a pure steel paladin, then you can equip this as a second copy and just kill them. <laughs> I mean, that yep. deck wins without this, so it's not totally necessary. But uh, again, you mentioned, Uh, You mentioned amulet titan. So like getting the double trigger off of a bounce land on itself. If you have two amulets in play, like just a single bounce land on its own, literally almost just casts primeval titan. You don't, you're not far from it. Um, Yeah, I think it's good. The fact that it also has decent mana utility this card. Like it's it's just a pretty good land. It's not just a, it's not just a bad land that has a cool ability.
0: Yep. 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 Um, And you know, it, a land with utility is always going to be powerful and this one can't fix your mana if in in a pinch for a little you know it, it makes it expensive is a land untapped source that can do that which is also very powerful and has a utility ability that is the potential to to double up things you're doing in ways that make it broken right that like amulet's a, a, a like a classic version of right like amulet is a card that like Wizards kind of expected to not be very good, and you really need multiples for it to really break. Well, this lets you do multiples in it in a deck that's very easy to search this up. So it's 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 sick in that way. Um the next card, Mercurial Spell Dancer. One blue, two, one. Mercurial spell dancer can't be blocked. Uh, whenever you cast a non-creature spell, put an oil counter on it. Whenever Mercurial Spell Dancer deals combat damage to a player, you may remove two oil counters from it. If you do, when you cast your next instant or sorcery this turn, copy that spell and you may choose new copies for uh, new targets for the copy
1: so the first thing you have to ask yourself when you read this card is okay for blue one two power how many creatures that can't be blocked have ever been printed right this is different than like a flying two one with flash that i like it's similar but it's the same idea of how many and now even though we joke about those flash flying two ones we're at like five in history now uh unblockable two ones for two there's not very many that's what this card is at its core, right? Then you add to the fact that like two serum vision type effects, two, two serum vision consider thought scours. Now put the counters on this thing where next time you attack, it's like your opponent's like, I'm going to kill this thing anyway. I'll kill this the first time I see it. It feels actually very similar to um, the 1-3 for red one that casts a spell for its power or less uh, sure. when it attacks that guy. Yeah. It's the same kind of idea. Sorcery speed, two drop. This is going to attack. It'll probably get value because you'll cast this on turn two. You attack on turn three for two mana. But if you have cast two spells, if you just are in a spells deck and you cast like a Bobble and a Consider or something, and then, then you attack, deals damage. Great. I'll remove two counters and bolt you for six. Or I'll remove two counters and I'll Consider twice. Like it's that easy. And yeah. Um, it, it, it like the two counters is nothing. I think this is already seen playing legacy. Um, this was a card that when I read it, when it first came out, I was like, I think that'll be pretty good. And then having seen the play pattern played with it and limited a bit myself, I've added this to Highlander now. This card's very good, like, yeah, it, especially because especially because there are so many spells that are free or one like zero, free or one, right? Like you can pay life or something in in constructed formats that you can go nuts with this card I I know I know is it prowess in modern is like a top top 15 top 10 deck again um this feels like a card that could be an is it prowess in a heartbeat it's an extra
0: every single turn for me the big thing I think that's fighting against it is ledger shredder right like you want to be playing this as your four through eight leather shredder now that being said it, it has seen play in Is It Breach decks, and it has seen play in um Tide decks, so I'm not surprised that it has potential there, and, and I think it's an alternative win-con and value engine to stuff that people maybe are bringing in against those decks, be it Graveyard Hate or Ragavan Hate, and this is a card that kind of dodges anything that blocks it and also doesn't care about the Graveyard, Um, but I, I do think it, it has a pretty specific... You know it's a, it's a pretty tight spot that it's falling into now the 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 flying Tarmogoyf.
1: <laughs> I will say um, I will say that this card with manamorphos is seems crazy to me. I, I do love the idea of I do love the idea of a deck that is taking advantage of this in Metamorphos where you like are yeah. perhaps casting spells to get extra mana steps or something like that. And this is like getting new cards and accelerating your mana. And like now you're able to, you know what I mean? Saying like there's, there's, I think this card, this card lends itself to an engine in a way that ledger shredder really doesn't. This card can do
0: pretty stupid stuff. Uh, next card is Sword of Forge in the Frontier. Three mana for an artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two, and has protection from red and from green. Whenever a creature does combat damage to a player, exile the top two cards of your library. You may play those cards this turn. You may play an additional land this turn. This is the red-green card on the cycle. Uh, my biggest complaint for this card is its name is dumb. It doesn't... I don't... <laughs> I've never heard of Forge in Frontier as a classic... Like, you know, it's not like Fire and Ice or light and shadow if they're not like opposed forces that are classically said body and mind right it's forging for frontier and forge don't even feel like opposites i feel like if i were to go to the frontier i would find forges yeah if you if you were like hey forge what's the first one you
1: think of no way uh we talked about this card in the same way a decent amount a few weeks back so we probably don't we won't go like super heavy into it but i will yeah. say about this This is the best of the swords that's been printed in a few years. You know, the last really, really insanely good sword came out in like 10 years ago, almost. I think Feast and Famine was almost 10 years ago. Um, I like some of the ones since then. They're fine. It's not like I don't think that the Horizons ones are pretty good. But to me, this is the first value sword since Feast and Famine that is like, oh, this feels really powerful. Like this is this is doing a lot of what I would want a sword to do. Problem with that being modern doesn't play a lot of them if if a stoneforge deck wants to play one it's playing the one that's good in the meta at the time as like a one over a two of maybe to like protect against colors but this is good because it's value not because it's red green it's just good cuz it has a lot of value this card's better And yeah. this this card is
0: exceptionally good in commander like it's a, it's a well, super not, value not card. even not even just commander the reason it's so high on the list is cuz of pioneer it's 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 seeing like because it's the only sword and Pioneer is a power level where swords are good, <laughs> uh. You know, in modern it's seeing play in Boros mid range decks. It's seeing play in some of the Stone Blade decks. Like so, there are decks playing this card, but in Pioneer it's in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's been in seven different decks that have placed in tournaments and and a significant one in the top two. You know, one or top one or two slots. So like that's that's pretty significant for a card like this that I think is is is. And and often I would say Pioneer is a is a first testing ground for standard cards to see will they see play in modern unless like they need fetch lands, right? Uh like if it's good in pioneer, there's a chance this could see play in modern and and you know adding there is one piece in Pine in Modern that this card doesn't get the benefit in Pioneer, and that is Stoneforge Mystic. So uh I do think it has a lot of potential to grow in Modern in a way that some of the other swords haven't, because to your point, this is comparable to like the value you generate and how far ahead you can get if you're playing this with a Stoneforge Mystic in a control deck where you're able to draw cards off of it and ramp like classically in control. The control deck that has more lands in play and more cards in hands will win, and this lets you do that. There was a
1: there was classically a Kesig Wolf deck back in standard like ten years ago. Last the, the last time swords were in standard, and the premise of the deck was like. Play a bird of paradise, cast a sword on turn two, equip your sword, attack, win the game. Like it was like just like get take over with like heavy value. And birds of paradise is not legal in Pioneer, but there are enough one drop creatures that you can play that are.
0: Wait, is birds of paradise not legal in Pioneer? I guess it's not weird.
1: Yeah, I think the last time it was in Standard was like. Definitely before Pioneer.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. But, no, you're right. That's weird. Yeah, I think nope. but just I, but like unsubscribe. <laughs> no format is it. good without Birds Paradise. <laughs> I know you can. I know you can gilded
1: goose into a turn two sword and then equip your sword and attack with your goose. That's a th- that's for sure. I think you la- can do. La- la-
0: Land of War Elf and Elvish Mystic are in modern or in Pioneer. But I, I think why I say
1: that is it's a flyer. That that was the whole point of like the old bird of paradise deal was you could cast it and then you would equip your sword and have evasion. So, but yeah, anyway, well, it, really has, it has
0: it has protection. Right? I mean, like it's seeing play in model green devotion, which is like the, yeah, I, I think it's good for sure. Uh, Next card on the list, minor misstep one blue for an instant counter target spell with mana value one or less. It's like mental misstep, but slightly better. And in modern, more powerful partially because you can counter zero cost mana spells, which includes very important. Importantly, the things that cards are cascading into out of the cascade decks. It also includes Raghavan. It also includes Amulets. It incl- You know, there's so many good one drops, including some of the cards we've talked about and we'll be talking about next. It gets rid of removal spells in the format. It does not fight off against the evoke creatures, but uh, everything else under the sun. Very powerful card. Uh, and it's fixed. It's fixed uh, mental misstep, which is good for everyone.
1: Yeah. I I mean, look, when you look over the years and they print a new cheap interactive counterspell, there are, there seem to be sort of two kinds. There are like the pretty good two mana, like this, like Lofty Denial is a good example of a card that's like, this card is pretty good. Lofty is a really, really well, well well-designed card if it's really nicely into a lot of decks. And then there are cards like Offer You Can't Refuse, which is like uniquely designed and pushed and this this one feels more like in that range this kind of reminds me of miscast a little bit in 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 terms of just like
0: oh i would say this is maybe way better but yeah that's fair
1: it's significantly better than miscast
0: i mean there's no question like this is
1: a more powerful card but it reminds me of it in the way that like it is a it is still a narrow card in your deck it's not Mm -hmm. in modern i guess it's pretty specific but i in even in modern like Not every deck plays everything that costs one or zero. There's a lot of things that do. But even like when someone does like, you know, somebody like evokes like a solitude that doesn't cost one or zero. They're paying zero for it, but this is not going to interact with that card.
0: Well, but like in modern, as far as like important cards that every deck is playing to some extent, the like if you're talking the crashing football decks, this counters. The cast, the card, you know, footfalls, it it counters the counter spell. You know, the, the, the cast, the the main thing they're cascading into, this is a hard counter tour in hammer time. It counters hammer. It counters all of their one drop creatures. It counters Screv in every Raghavan deck. It counters Raghavan in Yagamoth, it counters young wolf. It counters all the birds of paradise variants under the sun. Oh, oh,
1: there's no doubt this card is very
0: good. I think more what
1: I mean is like,
0: Like, I don't think there's a deck in the top 15 decks that doesn't play a key one, like at least two key one drops that this is good against.
1: I think what I more mean is if this is in your hand and you're holding on to this and now this is your piece of relevant interaction to try to like not lose, there are a lot of really relevant cards that are played at key moments that don't cost one. That it's a very good card. I think your main deck in modern could probably get away with two of these in a main deck pretty easily. I don't know if you could go more than two in a main because
0: like you could... want like part of me wonders if this is a four of like really well like for if, if especially if a deck did get rid of it like the decks maybe a four of in the 75 the decks of this is like there's no deck that this is bad against right but, that, but, 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 there's, but, but there's a lot of decks that this is backbreaking against like
1: when I say like, when I say two of versus four of I'm talking main I, I think this could easily be a four of in a sideboard I think without a doubt but I think about interacting with like a deck where you're like counter war and they're like force of negation. You're like, Whoa. oh, right. Your spell that you're paying zero for actually costs three. My one mana spell is no longer relevant. Like there's a lot of things in modern that cost zero technically that are very commonly played. All the elementals, several of the forces. There are a lot of really important cards in those situations where this card's going to be in your hand, you're going to want it to do something that it's not going to do anything. That's why I think like in a main, I could see two, I could see four and a two in a board, two in the main, I could see four in a board, but I don't think I could go past two in a main.
0: Sure, 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 sure. Um, yeah, I like. I th- obviously, I think like it's better for the format the mental misstep because you're not playing the like zero card. Every deck is playing this. But there are so many decks that this like straight up wins against. And the the decks that it doesn't win against, it's so good against the main threats of the format, like Raghavan. Yeah. That to me it feels like a thing you like like I I think it's like a three of, right? Like I think I think you play it in the same way that we used to, you know, you play Inquisition of Kozlak, Right. Yeah. I think it's yeah. as relevant as that. Where you play like three of these and and three counter spells, and then that's your like counter spell suite, and you can get pretty far with that
1: it's a great it's a great opening hand card that that's the thing i'll say is like it's a phenomenal i draw my opening hand and then i have one of these in it that's exciting
0: because it's good yeah. i will say art wise like it feels like what he's whatever this guy's dealing with is more than a, a minor misstep it feels like he's <laughs> in the middle of being like electrocuted from every angle <laughs> and he's uh yes yeah, all right work. next next card on the list uh uh, green canker uh, bloom one in a green phyrexian fungus three two pay one sacrifice canker bloom choose one destroy target artifact destroy target enchantment proliferate uh the most recent variant of because Kuz- uh, pride mage uh this one does come with the proliferate trigger um and is in mono green and is a three two for two which i think is all pretty phenomenal yep uh
1: this card is really good it is a card that has lots and lots of things printed on it. <laughs> it is. Proliferate is such a weird ability because it's like it in theory, proliferate is good. Like it seems like it has a a, a case where it's good in most situations, but there are also plenty of situations and plenty of decks that would want to play this card where proliferate's irrelevant and where pride mage is going to be a better card. Like Pride Mage is going to be a 2-2 for a 2-2 for two in green white that is going to make the less important creatures you're attacking with bigger. And like, so, so I do think that's good. Pride Mage hasn't seen play in modern for a while. It's not really a card that sees much play anymore. There are certain decks that occasionally are played on the sideboard, but it's not a thing. Even to some degree decks that play
0: Night of Autumn have slowed down. Like those types. I don't think Night of Autumn hasn't seen play in a long time, I think.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think they've, I'll, I'll see night of autumn sometimes in certain deck sideboards. Cause and, uh, for obvious reasons, it's very good, but I don't know if there's a deck right now that is trying to take advantage of like.
0: What, is, what it is? It is seeing play in Yawgmoth decks. It's seeing play in, uh, like the hardened scales deck it's done well. in already I think like it, it offers an alternative to the new, uh, the might, the, uh, Haywire might, which is now one of the most played cards in the format, right? Like it's the that it's a top good. five creature in the format at the moment, um, partially because it's you know it it stabilizes, it uh, is able to be found off of um, Urza Saga, uh, and it it you know it kills it kill, it excels target non-creature artifact or enchantment. The problem is that there are creatures that, that you want to be able to kill, and this card allows you to get rid of them. And that proliferate trigger, if it's relevant, is very good, right? Like. Yeah proliferate goes from not being good to being amazing the moment that that switch over changes. If you have any synergies with it, it starts becoming like, oh, this is, could kill a person, right? Like, in, in fact, this is a hate card that is a top tech win condition, where like, previously, in fact was playing like the two mana, th- you know, three mana, two, two, that ETBs and destroys an artifact or creature. Yeah. I would play this over that any day of the week, because yeah. this, for three mana, wins me the game if they're at nine infect, versus that where I have to like, play it, then get in for an attack. That's a lot more effort.
1: I think where Alex and I, he mentioned that he was, he was the one organizing the list. I would disagree with you on this card by a few slots. I think this is a little lower. This is probably in the, in the bottom five of our top 15, more so than where it sits for me. I just think the mana that it costs, if you could sacrifice, if you could sack this creature for free, Cost two for a three, two, and the abilities were all sacrificed for free. I would be like all about it. There's something about the fact that it costs mana that makes me less inclined, but but I mean, it's good. I would still have put this on my list. I just think it's a
0: little high for my taste. All right. Next card on the list. Uh, so let's two mana, zero, four. Artifact, creature, friction, golem. Permanent cards in graveyards can't enter the battlefield. Players can't cast non creature spells from graveyards or exile. Uh, welcome to, you know graph diggers cage that can be found with uh collected company or uh court of calling or an eldritch evolution or any tutor or creature thing you could ever need
1: <laughs> it's also only zero zero four, which we've always talked about i don't think lightning bolt is as defining in the format as it once was but murktide's a very good deck so it's still, and lightning it's bolt's still, still super
0: yeah i think lightning bolt's still super relevant i agree i think that it dodges lightning bolt uh the fact that it's an artifact also means it has artifact synergies you can get this with karn you can uh, find it with different artifact tutors. Like it, it has the benefits. It's not findable with Urza Saga, but also being as two mana zero four, as a spell, spellskite enthusiast will tell you, yeah. is relevant. That is a big butt to put down and play real early. That Rogavan just looks at angrily, shaking <laughs> its little it's, monkey fist.
1: <sighs> I will say that it's interesting. Every every time they go deeper into a four mana. Sorry, sorry, a four toughness creature for two mana. That has a really relevant ability. It makes me think about the Doran style decks and how, like, at a certain sure. point, isn't someone just gonna play like four of this card, four spellskite, four Doran? There's the green, I think it's called Assault Formation, and just like they just become a hate bears beatdown deck where all of their creatures are super, super, super pushed. Like, like, like and, and they're also not afraid of pushing like. It's like Nix Fleece Ram. Isn't that like a 0-5 or a 1-5 for two that gains you a life every turn? There's just like all these cards. I, I mean, that card's bad, but I'm just trying to think about things that have a high toughness rate that are playable in Modern that are in those colors.
0: And Doran gets no love. Card sees no play. But like... Well, I think I also think like the fact that this stops Swathy Voidwalker, because like the exile part is not to be underestimated, right? Void, Voidwalker, this stops... Uh, Raghavan, not just as an attacker, like I mentioned before, but also you can't cast the spells that it exiles. It stops any type of red uh, exile effect. It stops anything that's trying to cast spells, you know, from the graveyard or have creatures like all the 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 you know any Phoenix card or like it, it turns off so many powerful things this format tries to do uh, without effort and and as good as a generic blocker for the control deck that wants it without effort as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's it's definitely good. I've, I've been surprised with how little love it's gotten since it was printed. Like it feels like people haven't talked about it as much as I would have expected because it feels good. But uh, that cards that are like this that have this sort of sideboard love that that often is the case. It'll take a few yeah. years before it's out of will, standard and people don't have them.
0: And I, and I will say this is a card that like pay attention to exactly what it stops, right? Like players can't cast non-creature spills from graveyards or exile. They can cast creature ones. So like it doesn't turn that half a of Ragavan off. Or permanent cards in graveyards can't enter the battlefield, but you like so. Like creatures can't enter the battlefield, but they can enter from exile. So it's like a little weird where different effects get caused from different effects. And this yeah. doesn't like Grafter's Cage stop like Cascade because you can cast stuff from your library. Um, all right, top three, baby. Uh, number three, we have. Squrelve the defector might. One white for a legendary artifact creature, Phyrexian Might for a Toxic One. Players dealt damage by this creature also get a poison counter. It can't block. You may pay a Phyrexian mana and tap it to choose a color. Another target creature you control gains toxic one and hexproof from that color until end of turn. It can't be blocked by a creature of that color this turn. One-one. So we have Mother of Ruins. We had Ant of Ruins. Now we have pet might of runes. <laughs> yeah it's like a combination
1: of like a glistener elf and a you know mother of runes or something like that um this card's really powerful it's the best use probably of phyrexian mana in the set i would i would argue i think it's probably the most powerful
0: thing that phyrexian mana is doing in in the set well the next two cards on the list do not have phyrexian mana so at a bare minimum correct you made this list,
1: I'll oh, mind you. I'm just, I'm just out here just giving you your flowers for putting this card so high. Um,
0: uh, I'm trying to think: is there a thing on this list? I think that is this is the other than Jace. This is the only yeah. card with Phyrexian mana on the list at all. They didn't push Phyrexian mana very hard in
1: this set. They, they did on it on purpose. Yeah. Way. <laughs> um. Yeah. I think. I think this is the best use of it. I think, in the same exact way that. Mother of Runes and Giver of Runes are don't have haste. They can get killed the turn they come down. It they cost one. That's why. Like this card's the same in that way. Uh, I think this card's really, really good. We're going to talk about a card in a second that I think is also very good. I think they're sort of like there are two different ideas for this slot that are quite, quite pushed in the set. Yeah. I have. I mean, in fact classic infected modern in Modern's not been a thing that was a tier one deck for a little while now uh it's been a little while since it's that doing was doing better now but yeah yeah because sure obviously because the- it's pushed now you know i we've played highlander for years together and i've had a green white deck that is like sort of a double strike infect deck and you know this is one of the cards i was most excited to put into that deck because this does fit really well you're it's it's the fact that the protection and the unblockability is there it's doing a lot of the things that the other creatures in a poison deck want that's the thing that's important is the toxic
0: one is less but I, I don't like i don't even care about toxic like this this is a card that's seeing play in in, in grinding station decks this is a card that's seeing play in stone blade decks this is a card that's seeing play in infinity it's seeing and play in infect hammer time death and taxes devoted combo like this is one of the best value creatures ever printed in my opinion like really like it, it you don't what want too many of them the
1: for you what what makes this what makes this on that level where it's like at such a high what am I missing or what is the listener missing what's the it's thing an artifact doesn't...
0: creature So it's... it's it's an artifact mom like it, 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 the, the hex proof ability on an artifact creature it, and, and toxic is not irrelevant like in a lot of these decks they can figure out ways to kill with it but the fact that it's an artifact creature so you're able to take advantage of it with artifacts energies while also being Mother of Ruins, dark, Conf- you know, Mother of Ruins, uh, 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 anti of Ruins, whatever the second one is called, um, sure. is is extremely powerful, right? Like, it, it helps with grinding station. The fact that it's also a legendary is a big deal because of Mox Amber, right? Those two features together are massive. Yeah, on that's their own. true. That's true. Um, Mox Amber. Really good, and and like the fact that you can play this ragaman Mox Amber Grinding Station, all that in one deck, and just like all these cards are good, no matter which ones you draw in which order, is like an insane situation to put yourself in. It makes combat with Ragavan so much more difficult than than while also offering the same benefits that Ragavan offers, right? So I think I think that's that to me is why it's and and for the record. Mother of Ruins is an insane card. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. like if Mother of Ruins was in the format, I would think it's one of the best cards. It's it's in every format Mother Mother Ruins is, it is a top tier card. Uh, I mean, I will say, Giver, so, so Giver of Ruins is not Mother of Ruins. It's it's a little
1: different. It's 10% yeah. different. And it doesn't see a lot of play in Modern. Like it's a pretty fringe card. It's not ex- a big card in the format. I do think the Artifact Synergy you mentioned is important. Giver of Ruins doesn't see a lot of play in the format. I mean, like, it, I guess it's seen a little bit, but for it's not like a primary card. So I think that this thing is offering some utility that, you know, that card isn't. But I don't it's your point about, about Raghavan and Amber. That's a really strong point. Like you can yeah. that's a really cool thing.
0: You it's know? an artifact creature. It's a legendary creature. A regular core creature doesn't matter as a card type. Those two things have historically been some of the most powerful things, and continuously the Prince Energies, which I think puts it puts it over the edge, right? Because otherwise, it and the otherwise, you know, uh, ruin Giver are like very close, and Ruined Giver yeah. hasn't seen infinite play in Modern, but it's seen some play and it's seen decent play, and this is that with significantly more relevant capabilities. And at the level that it could see playing infect, and it does exactly what infect needs because it protects your infect creature from removal spells, and in a way that's better than other cards because it's hexproof with color protection and unblockability. Like that's the other part, right? It can't be blocked by those colors. So yeah, where that, like, like deal, yeah. It's you know protection offers a similar thing to that, but I, I think there's 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 things in here that that are very useful that the other that the creature types then push it over the edge. Yeah, I'd agree. And and like we're not even getting like and it makes Tarmogoyf a little bit bigger and you can find it with, you know, it has like weird other things that come with being an artifact creature that don't always get talked about. Um, yeah. All right. Top two cards. Next one is one green for a one two, Phryxian Druid venerated rot priest toxic one. Whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell target opponent gets a poison counter.
1: I missed when I first read this card and I first was getting hyped about this card because I'm more hyped about this card than any card in the set, just personally. Uh, I missed that it was any creature. I thought it, I just, my brain couldn't go further. It was this card. Whenever you target Rock Priest, you get the, they get the counter. And that's the thing that is so much more nuts is like it protects, even if you're not comboing, this card protects your entire board in a poison deck. It, this card's super good.
0: Like I-, I think, I think this is was the most under-evaluated card in the set. Not because once you read, if you read it and understood what it did, everyone's like, "Oh, this card's bonkers." But understanding that it, every one of your creatures, understanding that it counted the things that you're casting, not just like a lot of people thought it was just like if an opponent targets your creature they get a poison counter. A lot of people yeah. thought if your opponent only targets this creature, they get a poison, a, a poison counter. People not realizing also the fact that it's uh target of a spell means that like storm is a repeated triggered effect as a part of this. Or if you have something that like splits targets, like a, like cryptic or whatever, then that also can, can do that. Um, so just the fact that it, like, it, like I, I think you're totally forgiven. The amount of people I got in arguments on Twitter talking about how good this card was and then halfway through the conversation, they're like, oh, sorry, we've gone back and forth on six tweets. I, I didn't read the card. <laughs> I, will say, I will say that when we were in Philly and we opened
1: all of those uh, collector booster packs yeah, and we've pack ordered like, ten of them, I think, because they were part of, like, various swag bags that we had bought passes for people for. yeah, uh, yeah. Yep, yep. You won like four and I won like six, but in the six that I won were three full art borderless foils of this card. Yep. <laughs> so I have like an entire play set of this card now. I'm just really like happy about it. Pretty sick, actually. <laughs> and I put this as the other card I put into that green white Highlander deck. And like I have the borderless foil and it's really dope.
0: And, and and just like pointing at modern, right? Like the reason this is number one is, is a little bit this, but like obviously infects back, right? Like a, a, in, in a bunch of the cards we've talked about, there, there are placing infect decks. And this is, the, it's off of the back of this with maybe a little bit of Skrelv on the other side. But this is the card that's really put it over the top. But I, I, regardless of like just classic infect, the amount of storm, red, green storm decks that I've seen is bonkers. And the videos I've watched with them where they are like consistently Crazy. winning on turn two without effort is kind of insane. Like this card is so powerful and offers such a cool win condition that like interacts on a level that you're normally not interacting with. And I would not be surprised if we end up in a world where like those decks figure out that there's a way to play that deck where you're not all in on the combo, but you're just like a good deck that has this as just an option and you're playing like good instants and sorceries that go with it. Like it does such cool things that so that- easily.
1: For those that are wondering what you're talking about with such an aggressive uh, win con, there was a card from Time Spiral, a mono red sorcery for one red called Ground Rift that was printed back. They did a they did like a series of mostly pretty bad storm cards from Time Spiral when they brought it back. There's two that are good. Um, most of them, though, they there was like eight of them, maybe six of them. I can't exactly remember. But Ground Rift was a common from that cycle and its target creature can't block this turn for one red sorcery and it has storm. Because this is the same set, mind you, that's got Grape Shot and Empty the Warrens, which are both iconic, incredibly good storm cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but two mana and four mana are very different than one mana. Like if you're trying to go super low to the ground, and because all you have to do is target the Rot Priest, Ground Rift, every spell you cast up until that, they just turns into one one spell equals one poison counter. Yeah. Uh, So if you can find a way to do something wild and interesting and Metamorphose and storm out. Grand Rift just wins the game, which is what and
0: you play and you play underworld breach, which allows you to start rebuying all of these things and build up your storm count and and like it, and and what's cool is it's a, a deck that doesn't need like your storm count doesn't need to get to ten or twenty, right? like it if you have two venerated rock priests in play and and what the deck is playing is playing a, a summoning pack so you can like turn one venerating rock priest turn to summoning pact get a second or like summoning pact cast a ritual cast man of play the second play the summoning pact play the second rot p- priest and then groundswell and as long as you've cast five spells that turn, which i think is what i just did like and that's like a normal amount of cards in a storm deck like this you're because you have two rot priests in play It just kills it. It kills. It's you know that's all you need. You need it doubles the counters off of the storm count, so you're getting each trigger counts twice. So like it's it's really really easy to just generate a board state where you win off of a like a really small storm count with the deck, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really sweet.
1: I, I mean, this card. For me, it's funny because I've covered uh, Infect decks with you over the years in Modern for a long time. They've been good forever. Uh, But the one I've played the most is that green white Double Strike Infect deck in Highlander. It's a thing I've done for years. And and when I looked at the the previews of the set, this is the first time in a really long time where two cards were like, oh my God, (laughs) these are like (laughs) Skrelv
0: and Rot Priest are both so good in a deck like that. Like they're both super pushed. And, and playing and like the fact that they stack is something that I think a lot of people also didn't realize. Like there's so many layers of this card that are kind of bonkers and in like regular, in fact, just like having them in play, all of your pump spells just unblockably do the damage. And, and it also generates one of the weakness that those decks had, which was not being able to like go. Like over the top, right? Like if eventually someone built a board state that could block you, this lets you get over that because you just start targeting your own spells and yep. build the poison counters without needing to attack. Uh, um, So it's, it's cool. I believe, am I correct that two spell skites also just win the game with it and play in a spell? Uh, you cast a thing
1: that targets it
0: and yeah. you retarget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So if, if, if yeah, it also offers that combo win. So you play this. So the decks are now playing two spell skites because if you draw both spell skites and you have venerating a venerating rot priest in play, you can target one of the spell skites, and then you can use the abilities on spell skites to bounce, to volleyball the spell target back and forth, triggering the venerated rot priest each time. Um you have to you they have to have you have to have enough life to be able to do that or enough blue mana to be able to do that without paying the life to kill yourself. But as long as you have more as long as they have one poison counter on them or you have, you have that much life, you can do it, um, which is cool as well. Number one, four and a white for a 4 7 with vigilance. Legendary creature, Phyrexian, Praetor, Vigilance. If a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. Permanents entering the battlefield don't cause abilities of permanent to your opponent's control to trigger. Elish Norn, Mommy of Machines uh surprisingly seeing it's on a modern play
1: <laughs> this a lot's been said about this card already there was uproar in the edh community when this was first printed it's a it's a combination of factors that make it so good obviously it's sort of there's so much etb in magic that's been pushed over the years which makes all of yours better all of theirs worse killing a four seven that costs five mana in modern is pretty hard. Like you have to have a pretty specific answer. Um uh for instance, a revolted fatal push doesn't do anything,
0: lightning bolt does nothing. Um it turns it, off all of it turns off all of the the elementals because their yeah, the ETBs don't dead. trigger. yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't kill it with prismatic ending. They're like most of the things that like are commonly played that would get rid of this don't get rid of this. So
0: terminate I think I, th- I think terminate is the only like consistently played card that kills this currently yeah that's
1: why people should be playing Pondify and rapid hybridization like
0: champions or, or play junt <laughs> <laughs> um, uh the fact that like enchantress indomitable creativity Jeskai control amulet titan boris midrange azorius control four color omnath uh like like the amount of different decks that are playing this card and the fact that it just like is so hard to deal with Yeah, it's I mean, it's really
1: good. And the fact that you're saying all these tier one decks that are playing it to me is interesting because like I still would have read this card and gone. I mean, best case scenario in modern, this five drop is going to be a one or two of in particular control decks, but it's a it's a testament to the strength of the card, which is like it's just and this is kind of a little bit of what that one, you know, the RC wrote an article, I think, about it that was sort of like. This is the, this is like the shortcoming of this card for, for EDH. And it it points out a lot of the core design of this card, which is like at its core, magic has been a game that has drifted towards enter the battlefield triggers. It's a really important part of design the last 10 years. It's a, it's a lot of like the fun part of creatures getting so much better is that you can spend three or four mana for something and you'll get something out of it, even if your opponent kills it. And what this card does is like, okay, well, all of mine are better and all of yours are bad. And it's a four, seven for five. And in the re- in commander, it's more of a problem, obviously, because like you're not going to just have a target immediately. And if you play this as your commander, it's even worse. Modern, this feels much closer to the cards that are just ex- that exist and are just playable. Like it's just a five drop that doesn't do anything. So in theory. Well,
0: but it's a five drop that so like it doesn't do anything. On its own, but it also doubles your fury and or solitude triggers, right? Like, like you pay this and then you solitude, you get to kill two things or you get to fury for twice as many things. And it now turns off. All of the removal spells, so I, I, I agree that it like when you read it, your brain says I'm playing a five mana sorcery four seven that doesn't do anything when it enters play. But what it does is it makes it so every ETB you have doubles. <laughs>
1: There is something very interesting to the idea that, okay, my last three cards in my hand are Solitude, some white card, and Elish Norn. And it's like, okay, so if I, you're, what you're saying is that if I cast my Elish Norn and then I exile this white card for my Solitude, actually, exiling that white card just means I'm getting two Solitudes. Like I'm just getting two of them, like I didn't, I lost nothing. I'm left with a four seven creature. Your ATBs are bad, and this card that I was going to exile for nothing a second ago just got rid of two of your cards. Like that's pretty good in terms of the way you would sequence a normal hand. If Elishnorn was something else, your hand is so much weaker there. Like it, it, it even if your hand, if if that card is three mana ferry, which is like a pretty played card in modern and lots of decks, like. Play
0: to fairy format staple <laughs> yeah,
1: draw a card like, you know, similar to Elish Norn, like makes your opponents worse. Uh, it's not the same thing. Like to fairy best case scenario is going gonna, gonna to minus and bounce their thing. And you're going to be down a card to have lost your solitude versus the Elish Norn. I mean,
0: yeah, good. No, ironically, I think to fairy is one of the better answers against Elish Norn. <laughs> Yeah, 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 right, exactly. You can get rid of it. So, um,
1: yeah. Anyway, I think this card's really good. I still, I still feel like my playstyle as a player is like this isn't going to end up in any decks I play. I mean,
0: I'm. I, this- I think it's. I think it's this high. The reason I have it this high over Venerated Rot Priest is because Venerated rock Priest is going to be good in a strategy. Maybe two shred, right? Like it's very specific where I think Elishnorn is going to see wide play amongst the format and is maybe format altering, right? Like I don't think any other card that we've mentioned on this list is like going to change other than maybe minor misstep, which I'm in hindsight, maybe think should have maybe been higher. But I don't think any other card other than those those two is going to modify the way people build decks in modern Elishnorn might like I, I, I have to add terminate into juns or i have to add in the blue white esper i might bring path to exiles back right because Leyline binding doesn't hit it dress down doesn't hit it yeah like pr- prismatic ending can't get, you know you have to you have to be playing five color for prismatic ending to be able to hit it um burn the the one mana red version that kills something does. like there's so many it's wild how many things don't work against this card in the format and if you're playing the value decks like i'm looking at the four color midrange deck on the opposite end Doubles your Omnath draw, card draw, doubles your Fury, doubles your Solitude. Makes it so that your Dress Down draws you two cards when it enters the battlefield. Makes it so Leyline buying Exiles two, you know, like the fact that it doubles your things is so cool. Yeah, this card's sick. I'm surprised how sick it is.
1: <laughs> so on the subject of playstyle and cards that I play or you play or we would or wouldn't play, uh, I am currently working on rebuilding my Highlander wheel because I only have three <laughs> decks left. You and I played in Germany a lot. Um, and I was trying to figure out the next deck I wanted to build. I came across this idea, and Elish Norn is a card that actually could go into this deck, maybe should go into this deck, but currently is not. Um, so I am going to build the Mardu combo version that plays all of the, like, Stern Proctor, um, or is it called Stern Proctor? The 1-3 flyer that ETBs are countered unless a player plays 2. Lean, and Arbiter, Torpor Orb, Hushwing Griff, every single hate bear, white creature that stops ETBs, stops search, stops like all that stuff. Right? Those are going to be like sort of the core of the deck. And then the combo that I came up with that I thought was so dope was Marilyn of the Mourn Song with Opposition Agent. <laughs> Have you seen yep. this before?
0: Yep, yep, Lock someone out. Yep, really good.
1: It's so mean, like you like end of turn Opposition Agent, and then just resolve Marilyn, and it's like, oh yeah good call you'll never play the game again like i will get all because like i'll search your library for the thing that i need to remove your attacker during your turn if you're going to kill me and then on my turn i'll search for the thing that stabilizes me and now the game just ended which is sick but also mardu because stranglehold which i know is a card that an edh people play but i'd never played it in highlander yeah which is an enchantment for those that don't know for for red three it is the only card in magic That states opponents cannot search libraries. There are other cards that state that like effects controlled by opponents can't or players can't search. But Stranglehold is the only one that specifically says opponents cannot search libraries. And also it states that if your opponent would take an extra turn, they don't take it. So those sort of things. And I'm going to play Orm's Chant as the other piece of the combo. Uh, And so I'm playing Mardu. I'm playing Mardu combo with all of the hand disruption, all the tutors. And, uh, I'm going to try to make this Maryland thing work, which I'm excited about because I actually have a Maryland from way back in the day. I opened it back when I was playing in morning tide, like a million years ago. So it's was like, sick. I can just like put this in the deck, which I don't know if you, that card's gotten expensive. Do you know that?
0: Uh, Maryland? Sure. yeah. Cause of, cause of, cause of opposition agent. It's like almost 30 bucks now. Yeah. It shot it up. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So
1: anyway, that's my, that's my Highlander idea. I'm trying to finish the whole thing i mean i'm I'm excited i'm excited for our little event i'm gonna you know i'm gonna probably try to have you stay up late playing magic with me next week in philly so
0: i can test as much as possible yeah magic one piece of tcg (laughs) uh and that is and that is our highlander roulette highlander gauntlet minute brought to you by ben bateman and are you happy i did good i did good it was only a minute i kept it short Only one minute. Uh, And thank you, everyone. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, everyone, for watching the show. That is the it for today. Uh, If we missed a card or you think is going to be super modern playable, please comment it below. We definitely, definitely probably missed a few. Uh, If you uh, think one of the cards we mentioned has no chance of ever seeing play and that we're crazy. Also. Feel free to comment that below. Uh, if you think that we should do an entire episode on the One Piece TCG, uh, also comment that below. Uh, thank you so much to our patrons. Thank you so much to our sponsors. Make sure to check all of our sponsors out. Thank you, Channel Fireball, for hosting us. Uh, and thank you, TCG Player, for being our sponsor. And we will talk to everyone uh, uh, next week. And we'll uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. This has been a production of Time Traveler. Into